0: The introverts in the room have announced, so we'll follow their lead. Never got up. Never got up. Well, it's good to have you here. Uh, We are going to start Genesis. We're going to start looking at Genesis, and we're going to look at Genesis 1 and 2 today in like 20-some minutes. So what that means is there's that resource page that Kat talked to you about. And you might want to look at some other stuff. Because if you're like me, you get tons of questions. I tried to load some videos. I tried to put some podcasts. If there's something that you find helpful, uh, just send it to Cat9. We'll load it up on that resource page as well. Because it's not an exhaustive list. Um, Let's just kind of start building something that we can work from. If you were with us in Slow Invasion, you know that I love timelines. I think they help us to see some things. So we're going to build... A timeline to start. Okay, Nora and Isaiah, can I have your help? Will you guys help me? Genevieve, you want to help too? Will you guys be helpful. Not that you're not helpful. I didn't mean that bad. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. We're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start the present day. Okay. So Nora, I want you to go run this back to Mr. Wayne. And he's going to put it, Wayne, can you wave? So here's what I want everyone in the room to We have these beautiful pillars on the side, right? These are going to represent a thousand years, each pillar. Genevieve, here you go, sweetie. You get this one, and run to hmm, Run it to, can you go put it on that pillar right there? Do you see that? Yeah, Coralie's going to help you. Corley. Okay. Can you bring this to Miss Stephanie? She's going to be Jesus. She gets to be first century. Can you bring it to Stephanie? Even just put it. We're just trying to picture where these are, okay? So... In the back, Wayne, you can put it on that pillar right by you, or or you can hold it. Wayne is the present tense. He is today. That's what today looks like. That pillar over there, that's that's a thousand. Oh? Here we have first century. Why don't you put this right here, okay? Yep. That's first century before Jesus B C E. Do you want to put this on the piano? Back there. Okay, that's two thousand years BCE, and then before that is everything. Okay, these numbers might not mean anything to you, so we're going to put a couple other things. Your Genevieve and Nora, do you want to be my helpers again? And you're you're going to work with Anna here. Put this right next to Anna, right here. And you guys figure out which animals then domesticated. So about 1100 to 900 BCE is when they domesticated animals, which really matters for Genesis. It sounds funny, but it matters in the text. So go ahead and dump the animals out and sort them by which ones can be a pet and which ones can't be a pet. Okay, then we have... At 1200 BCE is when all the neighboring nations started having creation myths, okay? Now when I say myth when we're in Genesis, please don't think like true and false and a myth is false. Uh, At the time of, in, in this world, let me read you a quote from John Walton. He says, mythology in the ancient world was like science in our modern world. It was their explanation of how the world came into being and how the world works. So we tend to go to this, right? That's how we think. In this time, what they thought of was myth. So they would tell a myth, and it wasn't a lie. It, it was the way that they understood how the world came into being. So if we are way back by Wayne in the present day, and we look at a myth right here, we think that isn't the way we do the world, so we think that it's wrong. What I'm asking us to do today is let's try our best to get here and imagine what it's like here. Okay, a couple more years. Um, hmm. Wendy, you get to... You're Moses. If anybody asks, that's who you are. Uh, you get to be J-Source because it's like your name. <laughs> and then right here we have what the P-Source is and I'll explain those two in a minute okay so we all live way back there right and we have the first century where Jesus was we imagined that world quite a bit we have where Moses is so if you think of like the book of Exodus that's right where Wendy is 2000 right here this is when we have Abraham okay So Abraham is around this time. Abraham comes into our Bible at Genesis 12. So that means everything before Genesis 12 is over there. It's all over there. And there are some years listed and all of that. All of that is really debated and we could debate it. And frankly, it's kind of fun. But it doesn't really help understand the world that they understand. Because what we're doing with that is we're asking questions that the readers and hearers of Genesis didn't ask. So what we're gonna try to do when we're going through Genesis is ask what were the readers and writers and compilers of Genesis actually asking? You can hold it up, but you don't have to hold it up all day. You can like use the tape somewhere. Maybe you like being Jesus, I don't know. That's your cross to bear. So we're gonna do our best to ask the questions that were asked at the time. Does that make some sense? Because we like to get into, like, how old is the world? Did it happen in seven actual days? Were cats really in Genesis 1? Or were they part of the fall? Like, all of these kind of things are the questions that we have. But those are not the questions that were asked. Oh, I put them backwards. I'm sorry. I put them backwards. Thank you. Yeah, Moses is over here. No, you made it better. Yeah, no, okay. That's good. Okay, so um we're we're gonna try to ask the questions that they ask. Now, first of all, they record the world different than us. Can we trust it? I would say absolutely. Absolutely we can trust it. We can believe it what is written. But it is not very helpful to ask questions that Genesis was never intended to answer and force answers onto Genesis that weren't present, okay? So we're gonna agree that in this room we could have 30 different understandings of the answer to the questions that Genesis isn't covering. And that's great. There's room for all of us. I would happily debate with you and then, you know, toast a cup of coffee to Jesus over it. Like, that's fantastic. Yet, there are things that Genesis does ask that I think are critical for us and really important. So we're going to look at those things, okay? Thank you for sorting out our sources. That's going to make it a lot more helpful right now. So first, what was being asked? And we're going to start in Genesis 2 because Genesis 2 is actually our earliest creation story. Why they put it second? I don't know. I wasn't there. But it was the first one that was recorded. Uh, that's straightened out by Corley because that was reported either by this source that's called the J-source or by Moses. This is what scholars think. Scholars think Moses told the story or wrote the story or whatever somewhere along the way. Or that this, these people called the J-source gathered together the story and gathered together a lot of, of the, the early Old Testament for us to have to explain the world, okay? So, we again, we could debate about which one of those, but this is the time frame. This is the, the 500 years that this story comes from. It wasn't written back then, like, hey, this morning God said, let there be light, and there was light because there wasn't writing yet, okay? It doesn't mean it wasn't true. It just means people orally told the story, and so the meaning of the story was something different. So what is the question Genesis 2? I would argue, because I read some books and I believe them, that the question of Genesis 2 is why do I exist? Why do I exist? Why am I here? You can imagine if you are the people of Moses and you were in Egypt and then you're in the desert, that a real good question would be like, why am I even here? Why are we here? We're wandering. Right? At at this time of, of like Solomon, when they're finally in the land, but it's not very satisfying. The question of why do I exist? Why am I here? And so Genesis 2 speaks into that. Maybe doesn't answer it completely, but gives us some other questions. Let, let me show you what I'm talking about. And thanks for hanging with me on a timeline. might not be how everyone thinks, but hopefully it helps a little. Genesis 2, 4 through 7. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, no herb of the field was yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That is how Genesis 2, the earliest story that we have from these people, Right among the time of other creation myths, right? Right around that time we have this story that says a, a man. Doesn't say he doesn't have a name yet. It's not Adam. I'm not saying it's not Adam, but the name is not Adam yet. It's just the man. And the man, this is where it gets a little weird. In Hebrew is Adam, because the dirt is Adama. And so it's saying that God created this being from the dirt and then breathe God's breath into this being and that being meant that much it's it's pretty beautiful to imagine being created from the breath of God and then right away the purpose was here out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air And brought them to the the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the air, and to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. Okay, so right away, he goes into this work of joining God, right? God creates the animal... The animal goes before the the humanity, before the human. And the human creates a name for it. God is bringing order. There are cattle, there are birds, and all of this. And then humanity brings order. You, You see how that's joining in, doing the same kind of thing as what God is doing. There's... There's this type of animal and this type of animal. There are, and we've talked about this before, how, I know that we've taught this passage before. I've joked that, that the, the human was very creative at the beginning, in giving all these great names like rhinoceros, and uh, eventually got tired and started to do like blackbird, bluebird. But All of this creation is, his name. Here's what I want us to pay attention to. There's work before there's sin. Maybe work's not broken. Maybe we're meant to. We'll see that we're meant to rest as well. But I think sometimes in our mind, work is the curse. Oh, no, work is a gift. And we're intended to bring this Creating and this ordering into our work whatever our vocation is or whatever our hobbies are or what, whatever we invest into God's kingdom whether that's paid, that's our gift that's from the beginning to someone who made bricks as a slave to hear that what they do as work is bear the image of God that is a meaningful story but did you hear the end of that? For the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. The very next verse, uh, actually, in that, we're going to get to the next verse, but in that, that whole section begins with Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his partner. So God's aware that in the beauty of all of this goodness, there's something that's not good yet. And I think we think good means perfect and complete. But there was still creating to do. There were still names to be had. There was still order to be brought. And God says that it's, it's not good that you're alone. And by the time Adam names all of creation, he realizes he's alone. And longs to not be alone. Which brings us to another question that I don't know that we consider. There was... There was longing before there was sin. So when you long for something, that doesn't mean that that's bad. I think a lot of us within the church have had a longing for something and then we say, I just need to be content. And contentment is biblical. But we we just stuff that longing. And often because of our longing, we sin, right? I long to eat something, therefore I eat everything. I I long to not feel this way, therefore I medicate. But the longing is not sin. What are we longing for? We're longing to be whole. We're longing to be who God created us to be. Maybe we are in work that does not reflect God, and so we long to be able to create and bring order the way that we're meant to. Maybe there's other, maybe there's relational pain like humanity had at this point. But what I'm trying to get at here is your longing, instead of silencing it, maybe we need to listen to it. Maybe we need to bring it up before God. Have we forgotten why we exist? Have we lost the joy of work? Have we assumed that longing was sin? These are some of the things that were present when this creation account was was recorded. People forgot who they were. So it was written that they were made by the breath of God. Their toil and work had become meaningless and so they were reminded that they were joining God in their work. And they ached for something they couldn't name. And so in this act of mercy and grace, it's recorded that God waited until the man knew what he longed for before he met that longing. And then it was not the man's job to go and work and reach and make it happen. But the man went to rest and God made him. Home. So that's what I would argue is Genesis 2, in a fairly quick manner, right? So let's look at Genesis 1. What is the question of Genesis 1? The question here, I would argue, is was this God's intent? What we're looking at, is this God's intent? So people much smarter than I argue either it was Moses or it was, thank you for switching these, or it was the peace source, right where Wendy is, that one or the other, or probably it started with Moses saying this and it was finally compiled at that time. Why are these so meaningful? They are leaving Egypt and wandering a desert, right? I understand why there would be a question of, is this God's intent? Why is that time so meaningful? That's right when the southern kingdom fell and the people went back into captivity. When all that they were promised fell apart. and There was chaos everywhere and the people wondered, is this who our God is? Added to that are all of these creation myths right here. The creation myths around them, the stories that other people told them, was that we come from warring gods. The gods fight, and their blood spills on the ground, and we are made of that blood. The creation myths around them are that the gods need food, and so they made humanity to work and give grains and meats at the temple so they could eat. The gods need slaves, so they created humanity. That there was chaos in the heavens. And out of that chaos, we were formed. We were born into chaos, we'll live in chaos, we'll die in chaos, any of that sound familiar? That's what these myths are at the time. And so contrary to them, to tell another story that yes, I believe we Eve, that we should trust, but to tell another story, we get this, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Well, a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, And there was morning, the first day. Going forward, we get to where we show up. Then God said, let us make human in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. His image of God, he created the male and female He created them. Then the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Because of it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. See, God is not inspiring chaos. He's inspiring order. And He's definitely not intimidated or overwhelmed by chaos. Instead, God appears rather playful, rather creative, and in the end, rather satisfied, like a good picnic after playing at a park. And I wonder, is there an invitation for us to return? The Sabbath, to representing the God, to being his steward on this earth, where we care for creation in the way that God cares for creation. Was this God's intent? No. God's intent was beauty and playful and rest. And if you don't feel rest, that's not God putting that on you. God has something better. If you don't feel beauty, that's not God putting that on you. In the beginning, He intended something different and through Jesus he has made everything possible for us to experience something different. And so to a people held captive by these stories of worthlessness, Genesis 1 and 2, they offer us a belief that is defiant against the stories that are around us. They're defiant against the stories that you are worthless, or you are only what you produce, or chaos is just what you've inherited, that's all that your life is. All of those stories, this worship of the God of Genesis 1 and 2 is in defiance to that. My life might look like that today, but my origin is that I'm made by His breath. That I'm made to be creative, to bring order, To work for his kingdom and build with my hands. That I'm made to live this life nearly playfully And rest in the end. So here's what I want to do as we we close this time. Um, I'm going to pray in a minute. And if you need to go, God bless you. We're grateful that you're here. Um, But if you don't need to go, we we heard you last week and we're trying to build in when we can. Little times where we can talk a little bit. And so if you have some questions about the actual text of Genesis 1 and 2 and you want to get into the text and find out why we had stuffed animals and domesticated animals and why that matters for the sourcing and all that kind of stuff. If you want to talk about that, we're going to go to this side of the room and I'm going to sit with you and we're going to talk about the actual text. Bring any questions that you have. I probably don't have the answer. I'll go look up some smart people and I'll bring it with me next week or I'll text you. Okay. If you've already got enough. And the questions that I asked already sparked some stuff that you're feeling. I want to invite you to go to this side of the room. And Kat's going to join you over here with just some questions of like, how do we apply this? What do we do with it? Um, And if you want to just hang with other people, God bless you. This is a space for that as well. Maybe kind of sneak back a little bit so we we don't overhear each other too much. So there's a room plenty big. And if you need to leave, God bless you there as well. For those of you on Zoom, you're going to do the same exact questions that Kat has. he's uh, going to lead you through that and um, hope, hopefully this is a bit helpful. Let's, let's pray together. Is that clear what, what we're doing? A question on the text? Go this way. If you just want to apply what we already talked about, go this way. If you want to hang with folks, go that way. If you need to go, God bless you, we love you. Okay? Let's pray. God we covered a lot and I pray that somehow you spoke through that Um, you know how deeply I want us to know that you're not a God of chaos and you're returning us to a place where there's rest and joy laughter and creation if we hold on to you in the meantime I know that there are those of us in in this room who wonder why we're here, why we exist as people but also just as individuals. Why why do I even wake up in the morning and I pray that in a real way your spirit comforts and brings love and light that these words that you've given to people for thousands and thousands of years would, would create in us an awareness of your goodness. Thanks. In your name. Amen. Go ahead and spread out.